In the fascinating and sometimes complex mommy world, we often find ourselves in an impossible bind. Either you're a complainer because you're overwhelmed with the realities of motherhood, or you're annoying because you seem to handle all the challenges way too perfectly. Is a balance actually possible? At the end of the day, most of us just want to be relatable, and that's when we fall into the mommy likability trap. Today, we talk to award-winning journalist, fellow podcaster, and mother of two, Alicia Menendez, who promises to empower us by reminding us how and why we shouldn't fall into this trap in the workplace, but most importantly, outside of it, in our most important roles as mothers. We read the books. We bought the things. We thought we were ready. And then life took our plans and changed them. I'm Karen. I'm Victoria's mommy, and I work in tech. And I'm Pamela. I have a baby boy named Ford, and I'm a journalist. And although we're both first-time working moms, we're actually pretty different. And that's totally okay. Because we both agree that our most important work is raising our kids. We really need each other and can only get through this together. Welcome to Motherish Moments. Hello, hello. Hi. It's the morning, so I'll say good morning. Good morning. <laughs> I warned Karen because I'm cleansing, I'm juicing. God. I'm on juice number two, so I'm so pretty. That, uh, does that mean, oh, so wait, wait, hold on. What does that mean? I don't does know. that I mean think, you're in like a weird mood? No, I think like, people assume you are. I, it doesn't, I don't think I get into it when no. I do it. This is like the fourth time I do it in my life. People say you become like a monster when you're juicing, but no. I mean, you're just hungry, but. <laughs> that sounds miserable. I don't, uh, I don't tend to get hangry anyway, so. Um, but you're so, so happy to see you. You I look know. so pretty today. Yeah, we, so Pamela had a couple trips. So it's been, I think it's been a minute since we've seen each other. Um, but we're back. We're back. And now I'm not going really anywhere for the rest of the summer. I don't know if you are. I may. I may. Look at that. I the know. ambiguity. I don't know, I don't know yet, me. but I may. Um, <laughs> I know I want to travel this summer. I always have this debate whether how long I could leave Ford behind if I do go without him. But now I want to travel with him. Yeah. But every time I travel you with do? him, I come back and I need like a vacation from the vacation with yeah. Ford. Yeah. Well, yeah, Which vacationing is what with kids is, is hard. I love, I mean, you know that I love it. I have a lot of like positive feelings about it, but I also am like realistic. It's like exhausting. It's draining, yeah. But in a different way. All right, but let's first jump into our motherish moment. Okay, so my motherish moment of the week is I have been having this debate and conversation about potty training. So for turn two in April, and I couldn't remember exactly when you did Victoria. I know boys and girls, they're different, depending mm-hmm. on the child. And of course, social media, I'm like going through someone's stories and my soul cycle trainer, like the instructor posted that, hey, wish me luck. I'm going to attempt this with Charlie. And I want to say Charlie's maybe like a month younger than Ford. So I was like, oh my God, am I too late? Oh God. Should I be doing this? You know, <laughs> so that it opened this whole can of like warm of discussions and debates. So I'm considering starting the process with Ford already. I don't know, should I be? I don't know. I did it when Victoria, so it was exactly one year ago. So she was two years and like two months. Okay, so it's yeah. more or less the same time. So yeah, yeah, so that's my new thing. So what I did is I started ordering, you know, of course you have to get all the goodies, you know? So get I'm getting like the little yeah. potty, the stepper, the adapter, the thing, the stickers, uh, I don't know. So that's why I'm right now. So that has been my, I guess, motherish moment of the week. Okay, that's a big one. That's a big one. For me, uh, I have just been prepping Victoria for school. So I've started to talk to her about it more consistently. And, you know, she's never been to school. So that's going to be a whole thing. I know that we're planning 
planning on doing an episode about this at some point, so we will talk about it in depth. But Karen but yeah. is very emotional about this. Okay, like, wait to call me out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I am. I'm super emotional about it. That's why I need time to like prepare myself because I don't want to be all like a complete mess in front of her. So I need to like hold it together. So basically, this is for me, not for her. So we went to Target and she picked out a lunchbox. Of course, it was like with sparkles and pink and a unicorn horn coming out of it. It's like a whole thing. We're slowly working our way into that process. Is she excited? Is she happy no. about it? What does she tell you? She's she's not excited about it, but she's not like negative about it because I don't think she understands the concept yet. So she's just kind of like, okay, yeah, this is my lunchbox for school. Okay. Like she's a little sus, you know, okay. like she's like, mm, okay. We'll talk we have a over. guest today, yes. which is, yeah, yeah. you know, I love when we have guests today. And we have a great guest today and we've been trying to book her for a while. So I'm happy that it's happening finally. Yes. She's Alicia Menendez and we'll do a formal introduction in a second. But why don't we let her share her motherish moment of the week. She's a mommy of two little girls. Hi, Alicia. Hi, friends. I'm so excited to be here as a fan <laughs> and as a friend. Um, wait, can I weigh in on your mommy moments first? Yes, yes. please okay. do. They will potty train when they're ready, Pamela. So the first one got potty trained at daycare. I barely was a part of it. It was amazing. The second one is going to turn three in August and she is still not potty trained and it's fine. Oh my God, how funny. My best friend, Yaelene, literally called me last night. I was, you know, I was telling her this. She goes, Pamela Mason, his, her first one. I don't even remember. I feel like in three days, he was potty trained. Matthew, I want to cry. He's had literally today alone. He's almost three. No, he's going to be three in October. He's had seven accidents. It's like, I feel like it's another entire process that I never went through it the first time. So yeah. every child is different and you just have to be patient and they'll let you know, you know, I, when I they're ready and they tell you. I read that like really pressured me into feeling like I have to do this during this time before whatever. And then I was like, screw this. And when I did it, it's because I felt that she was ready. Like she was waking up dry at night. Like there were all these signs and like, I think maybe that's what made it easier, but I had to remove that pressure, which I think is no, along I mean, the lines of our, our topic in general today. But So anyhow, Godspeed, Pamela, because it is not a fun process, no matter when you do it. <laughs> and Karen, I remember when I sent my little one to school and she was, I mean, I sent her when she was one, the first one, and she just like walked right in. She didn't like turn around to say goodbye. And then we would go to pick her yeah. up and she would like beg to stay. So we ended up extending her hours. And again, you just, you don't know who they are until you try. And then they're a completely different person in that context, which brings me to my moment, which is today, I dropped my five-year-old off at camp. And normally there is someone who greets them and walks them to the room with all the other kids and accustomed to watching her walking away, holding a grown-up's hand. And today, for whatever reason, there wasn't someone there and she had to walk in by herself. And she walked with such confidence that I just, sheets of tears at drop off where I was like, who is this person? Who's like her oh. own little person and has her own- Oh my God, I'm getting choked up. I just know. thinking about it's, this. <laughs> it's just so wild, Pamela, cause it goes, and Karen, it goes from being your littles to bigs so fast. And you try to rush through all these things, right? Like, let me make sure that they have their lunch lap box. Let me make sure that they have their diapers. Let me make sure that they potty train. And then like, it's gone in the blink of an eye. And you hope you've given them like all the tools they need. Thanks, Alicia. You're welcome. <laughs> It wouldn't be a motherish podcast if we weren't crying. So here we are. So soon, though. It was so quick. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. All right. You got to do our intro. Yeah, great, great way to win friends and influence people. 
Thanks a lot, Alisa. Alisa doesn't really need much of an That's intro. That's for bringing a pro into our podcast. I know. Like we mentioned, she's an award-winning journalist. She's a news anchor now at MSNBC, among other things. She's a fellow podcaster. And she's an author also of this book, which I wanted her to talk a little bit about because we kind of like grabbed the theme of the book. And it's so applicable to the motherhood journey because we fall into this likability trap so easily. And I find myself doing that all the time, especially now with social media and what you share about your journey, right? So like we mentioned in the intro, if you are too perfect, oh, she's so annoying. There's no way she has it all, you know, put together. You know, there's no way she makes all those recipes. There's no way she packs the lunches that way. And if you are a mess and you're overwhelmed and then you're just venting about it, you come across like a complainer. So these are these two extremes. And at the end of the day, I feel like every mom wants to be relatable and liked by other moms, right? I feel like in this world, we also feel the pressure of just being accepted and liked. And maybe we're not being honest with ourselves, right? And we're not just taking in the journey or accepting our roles and, and the type of moms that we have become for whatever reasons because we are so stressed out about being liked. So hi, Alicia. Welcome officially. (laughs) I wrote the likability trap. You know, I care a lot about being well-liked, which is not a thing that I am proud to admit. I think there are a lot of reasons for that. I am a cancer. I am an INFJ, if you've ever taken a Myers-Briggs test. Mm -hmm. Um, As one of the Latinas I interviewed for my book said, we as Latinas are raised with a PhD in graciousness. We're taught that we don't just represent ourselves. We represent our families. We represent our neighborhood. We represent our entire communities. And there's an enormous amount of pressure that comes with that. And so I was originally went into the likability trap wanting it to be like an eat, pray, love for likability where I as a person who cares very much would learn to care less, which would have been a much more fun book to write because I would have like eaten gelato and done yoga and come out a different person. (laughs) But what was interesting to me as a person who cares a lot is that as I started to interview women who like really don't care, where this isn't on their mind all the time or it's not the thing that governs their behavior, they felt they paid a price for being so brazenly themselves. They felt they paid a price for not caring about being likable. And so then that pressure, that question of why this pressure is put on women to be likable became much more interesting to me. And part of the origins of the book is that I was at a sort of pivotal moment in my life. I was you know, wrapping up my time at Univision, which is how the three of us originally know each other. And I was pregnant. Um, and I hadn't told anybody that I was pregnant yet. And I knew that I was entering this new phase and I hired a life coach and, you know, we worked on a lot of things, but the thing we kept circling back to was this idea that I really cared what other people thought of me and that I really cared about disappointing people. And I really cared about how I showed up in other people's eyes. And, and when I finally told her I was pregnant, she was like, Oh, all of this is coming up for you because your entire life You've cared what other people think about you. And now there's going to be this whole other person who's going to have an opinion of you, who's going to judge whether or not you're a good mom, who's going to judge whether or not they like you, who's going to decide whether or not they want a relationship with you. And so this thing that you've you've grappled with forever is about to take on a completely new dimension. And I was like, Ileana, I have not even thought about that. Like I am, (laughs) put that away. I can't, I do not have the capacity to deal with that. So I would layer on (laughs) Pam that in addition to what other mommies think of us, there is the pressure of, am I going to have the relationship that I want to have with this child? 
when I see myself reflected in their eyes, will I like what it is that they see? Uh, okay, I was not ready for this. Like, <laughs> Alicia is this bringing is so deep. it. Um, <laughs> I've, <laughs> it's honestly, right now, like as you're speaking, like I am processing all this and I'm thinking about how at the end of the day, all I want is for Ford to just be obsessed and love me. I don't know. I know this is turning to like you're no, super lucky though, Pamela, because you have a boy. So, like, one would believe that he'll be obsessed with you forever, whereas Karen and I are on a yeah. different path. It's different. So many of the things that you're mentioning make perfect sense to me. And when I originally read your book, when you first published it, one of the things that resonated with me a lot was around not disappointing people because I've grown up this way. Even with my parents, the dynamic with my parents is always like, I don't want to disappoint my parents. I, because I, you could be mad at me, but be disappointed? Oof, I can't handle that, right? And so in the workplace, 100%, it has, I still navigate it on a daily basis. I think within the last couple of weeks, I've been trying to do a few things here and there to like, you know, stand out a little bit more. And in the filter of all of those things, I'm like, am I just trying to be liked? Because now in my case, like there's, a whole new generation of people that have joined the company that are younger than me that potentially are, you know, in the space where I work, like I work with creators. And so you have to have your finger on the pulse and the trends and the cool, whatever. And I'm like, well, I'm like a mom wearing a button shirt. Like, are you kidding me? But there's so many things. And then that other universe that exists the second that you become a parent, specifically as a mom, it opens up. And we've talked about this before, where it's like this whole community that you didn't even realize existed until you became part of it. And you're like, oh my God, there's so many other things. And in that space, like I've been open about it a lot on the podcast, but like I really struggled for a long time. And that likability thing or that thing about, like you said, wanting to be relatable, all of those things factored in. But more than anything was wanting to or aspiring to to be a good mom, right? And to be the kind of mom that my daughter is proud of the same way that I'm proud of my mom, you know? Like, there's so many layers to it. <laughs> there are two things that you're saying there, and I want to admit to you that I, like, a few months ago had to say Billie Eilish on air with a bunch of young people, and I called her Billie Eilish, and I have never, I mean, their faces <laughs> were so, like, ooh, cringe <laughs> for me that I had, that I, and I was like, people, like, I'm listening to Disney music all day. Like, I don't know any recent yeah. artists. Um, First of all, there's a real penalty for women who are moms and go back to work. It's not a parent penalty, it's a mom penalty. And I watched you both, I know you both well enough that I've watched you through your journeys, and I watched you do the whole thing that we all have to do. We're like, I'm back, I'm back, and I'm as good as I was before. I'm back, mm -hmm, and yeah. I'm better than I was before, because I'm not going to give you the space to question if I still have what I had before. And I think, Pamela, for you and for me, that has an additional layer because our work is so forward-facing and it is so public mm -hmm. and people want the personal piece of our lives in addition to the professional piece of our lives. And there is not as clear of a hard line between those two things. Mm -hmm. You know, there's this study that I write about in The Likeability Trap where, you know, they have a parent at work on a deadline and they get a call from their kid's school that says, you know, tell me threw up on the playground. And if it's a mom, and she says, I'm busy at work, I'll send the babysitter. Then all of her coworkers think, my God, what a monster. She wouldn't leave to go pick her own child up from school when he's sick. 
And if she says, I'll be there in five minutes, I'm sorry guys, like I'll jump back on my laptop as soon as I get at home, she's judged as not being committed enough to her work. Doesn't matter what she chooses, whether she chooses to go or yep. she chooses to stay, she faces a penalty. When they did the same experiment with men, if they chose to go, people said, wow, what a great dad. And if they chose to stay, they said, wow, what a great worker. So that to me sums up the situation that we find ourselves in constantly, sort of like last minute choices, push and pull between those things. So that's the professional piece. And then on the on the piece about this community of moms, and I think the community of moms both offline and online, because they're sort of different beasts. Um, you can edit them differently. You know, my older one, the other day I was sending her to camp and she hates having her hair brushed because she has long, beautiful hair and it has tons of knots in it. And she was like, why do I need to brush my hair? And my first answer was terrible. My first answer was like, well, because the other mommies are going to see your hair and they're going to judge me if your hair <laughs> is not brushed. And she says to me, she's like, do you judge the other mommies? And I was like, wow. and I was like, I actually don't. Good this Lord. is actually not for me a priority, as is evidenced by my own hair thing that's happening over here. <laughs> so then I try again. And I was like, you know, Lena, when people see you, I want them to see how smart you are and how brave you are and how funny you are. I don't want them to be distracted by your hair. And my husband's like, these are not good answers. <laughs> And I was like, oh my God, um, is that the better answer? <laughs> and so he jumps in and he's like, it's about you, Lena. It's about your hair and your hair being healthy and there not being knots in your hair and you not being distracted when you're trying to learn and to play by your hair. And he's like, you could do an entire psychological profile on you, Alicia, by the fact that these were your first two answers. And so I was like deeply ashamed. <laughs> but it does speak to me to the fact that that pressure is right there. What are the other moms going to say about the fact that my kid is the yeah. one with the unkept hair? What are, you know, what is it going to say about her if I let her go into the world like that? And I think for us as Latinas, there's like an added layer of that. I was taught like the first thing that people will judge about you is what they see. The second thing they will judge about you is how you speak and what they hear from you. And so mm -hmm. you want both of those things to always be pristine and in order. And that is a tremendous amount of pressure when you're just trying to get out the door and get your kid to camp or school so they can learn. I love how in the book also you talk about all this like gender, I don't want to say inequality, but like how much pressure we have. And you know, that's in the workplace. Imagine like moms versus fathers. I feel like even that study in that example, this morning a Ford had a doctor appointment. It was gonna run late. It was with an infection doctor and um And the dad came with me. And then, as you know, I told him, look, I have to leave at nine o'clock. I'm recording at 930. So I kind of get up and I say bye to the baby. I say bye to the dad. And the nurse looked at me. She's like, you're going to leave? You're going to leave him alone with his dad? This is like the, the office manager, actually, not the nurse. I was like, yeah, he could handle it. Like, I have to go to work. But for her, it was so, like, you know, foreign. The fact that I would walk, get up and leave to go to work. And I know for a fact that if he would have done the same, Like, hey, I got to go to work now. He, she would have been like, this is so nice yeah. that he actually came for a little bit, you know, brought the son, <laughs> brought the baby. And then yeah. he would have gone. Like, the study you mentioned in the book, it, like, it spoke to me so clearly because I sense it all the time. When I have to either, you know, when the father has to do something instead of me because I have to travel because, I, you know, anything, it's kind of like they get so much so rewarded for doing what they're yeah. supposed to be doing and we get penalized for it. This filling happened. our roles as, as a professional. This happened on my, not my last work trip. So I've had two work trips now in this year. 
um, starting to kind of ease into to these things. And this second one was different. But the first one, Juan did like an entire like Instagram campaign about like Karen's gone. Oh, I think he used um, the doing, phrase uh, single dad, right? My week as a single dad. <laughs> Padre soltero. And I literally was like, is there some, this isn't translating for me. Like, are we separated? Am I finding out through Instagram? <laughs> like what's happening here? But like he did this whole like, day to day like I fed her this I made this food and blah 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 and then by day three he posted like a meme of like a zombie or something and he was like me trying to do everything Karen does like normally and like I'm dying now but like there was like humor in that sure fine but like I got messages from people that were like oh my god Juan is so amazing blah 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 and I was like why like i mean good he's being a dad like but i do all of those things and my job when he's not here and like i wanted to not be salty about it right because like whatever but people were just so like oh my what a great dad he's such a great dad I'm whatever gonna, you know like what the hell i'm gonna add a layer yeah. onto that karen i actually think you're being generous here and i think you have earned your right to be salty. There's another book that I love called Fair Play. It's by Eve Rotsky. And it talks a lot about the invisible work and mental load that women carry. That like, mm -hmm. Pamela, I'm gonna guess you set up that doctor's appointment. I'm gonna guess of you course. were the one who identified <laughs> the need that he needed to go to the doctor. Like that's the actual work. The driving to the appointment, the sitting at the appointment, that's just like, that's part two. And so, I am sure, Karen, that even on that trip, where, which Juan, who by all accounts is a fantastic father, really wasn't even doing the 100% of the work that he thought <laughs> that he was doing. It's true. And it's, I mean, the invisible list is a whole other thing to unbox that we manage as moms, right? One of the things that he asked me for, he's going to kill me because he, you know, he listens to Motherish, like he's like our most loyal fan. <sighs> But the one thing he asked me for was, can you please leave the presents wrapped for this birthday party that he had to take Victoria to? And it was the one thing I didn't do because I was like, no. I'm like worried about other things like in preparation for this trip where I also was, I was going to like a creator conference and I'm like, I need to look like, I need to figure out what people wear these days. Like what? And so I left them unwrapped and the day before he like texts me, he's like, hey, you know, I think I'm going to go to the dollar store and buy balloons to put on the gift wrap. And I was like, what? No. I'm like, he went to like another extreme. I'm like, you don't need to do all of this. But like, that's one of the things that we do that all the time, every birthday party, there's a gift magically. How did that appear? The, the, I think you it. could do an entire episode on the gifts at birthday parties because honestly, it's like one of the greatest stressors in my entire life. I mean, and I'm like the parent who's like, I am lucky that I was able to remember that I needed to get a gift. And if it ends up in like a paper bag being handed to your child, yeah. please forgive me, but I did the best I could. And that is just like my <laughs> constant mantra to myself. Like I am just doing the best I can and everybody else is just doing the best they can. And just as like I ask other moms to give me grace, I am giving grace away in buckets because I know yeah. it is not for lack of care. It is just like everyone's maxed out. Everyone, the moms who are doing it solo, the moms who are doing it with a partner, like 
And like, I catch myself when I am the one who's judging and I really try to put that away because I know there are plenty of times where I have done things that could be judged. There's also this other concept where you have to, and this comes up a lot on Instagram, I see it where it's like, you have to mother as if you don't work and work as if you don't mm. mother. But then there's like, I would add in a third layer there where, especially now, I become really close friends with a lot of moms in my neighborhood. And some of those moms don't actually go to work and have a job, but they are in charge of everything in their household. Their children are home all day. They're not even at summer camp. Like, bless those moms, because I would be, like, in a psych ward. Yeah, it's the executive functioning of a CEO. Yes. And so in that layer, sometimes, like, I feel pressure to be as good of a mom and as present of a mom as they are, even though I spend my days on Zoom meetings like all day. And like, so I'm like, I also cooked. I also took them to the park at some point. Like, so that's like a whole other layer of things that we do to try to like feed into this perception of like, I'm a great mom, I promise. Or like, I'm a cool mom or like all these other, <laughs> there's just so much. I don't know if you ever think about this or if you feel this kind of way as well, like with other moms that are not in the same professional work atmosphere. Yeah, but you know what? I feel like I find myself maybe sometimes doing something opposite in terms of like, sometimes I hype up the fact like, sorry girls, I gotta go to work. Like I find myself kind of like justifying that, you know, if I forgot a gift or if I did something is because I don't like, like justifying myself or like finding the excuse to be like, I failed at this because I have all this stuff to do at work. You know what I mean? Yeah. So maybe, I don't know if that's any, if that's unhealthy as well. No, I actually think that's healthy, Pam. Like, I think that's, that's it. It's like, there's not 200% of no. you. You can't give 100% to each thing. And I think being honest about the fact that like, that's an imperfection and something's got to give. And like, that's okay. Who actually cares? Like what, you know what I mean? Like that to me is like, I also, I think this is like one of the beautiful things about getting older. And it's one of the things I write a little bit about in The Likeability Trap, which is the older I get, the less I have capacity for those relationships and mm -hmm. friendships where I am asked to show up as anything other than my full self. Like one of the things I know about both of you is you're both wildly ambitious. And like anyone who loves you and really sees you knows that about the mm -hmm. two of you. And so if sort of your ambition and the fact that you do want to show up at work prepared, ready, like able to contribute gets in the way of the relationship you're able to have with them, I think we've, we're all old enough that it's like, well, then maybe that's just not a relationship that works anymore or that doesn't work right now. Because I want people who allow me to be both things and don't make me feel bad. If anything, I want people who are rooting for yeah, me. I agree. Right? Who are like, that's right, you go to work. Like, I've got your kid. You, you go talk to work. A lot you know about what? I'm going to wrap this present versus for you. Mentors. Like, and I think the same thing happens in, yeah. in the mommy world, as we call it. I think you do need to find people who are not just giving you advice and talking down at you, but kind of like speaking up about you and saying positive things and kind of like just putting you in positions where they are going to create opportunities for you. You know, at the end of the day, I always say, like, I always say, we're moms and we need to feed our kids and we need to always look, be looking for stuff. I think at least both of us are right we're always looking for ways to to provide for children and improve the quality of life and just look for new things that are going to be fulfilling and rewarding and also lucrative and, and sometimes so i feel like if we could touch a little bit about the importance of, of those relationships and finding sponsors and also how we could apply that 
to our circle of moms. I have never thought about it this way, Pamela, and I love that. Um, so I think we're, we're all about the same age, and we were raised to believe that if you just found the right mentor, they would like pull back the curtain and reveal <laughs> your perfect career <laughs> by giving you like great advice. And that's not the way that mentorship works. Like it's great to get advice, but that's not actually what advances a person's career. What advances a person's career is someone who introduces you to key figures, who puts you on stretch assignments, who puts your name in rotation yes. for a promotion, who advocates for you. And that is a two-way street, which I think is an important thing to highlight in the context of trying to transpose this from the work world into the mommy world, which is, you know, you have to give to get in that relationship with your sponsor, that you may be a younger person who has market knowledge, who has a different layer of um, relationships and connections that you're able um, to use in advantage and in service of the person who is sponsoring you. But to your point, Pamela, I think that's exactly right. And I think it's like... um. I think it can operate in a bunch of ways. I think it can operate with other moms who are sort of professionally mm -hmm. in the same space as you who are doing that. I think it can operate with moms on the block where they're like, you're just pinch hitting for each other, right? Yes. Like, oh, you forgot a snack. I have an extra one in my bag. Like, you're not going to be available for pickup. I'll do that pickup because I know you will do the pickup when the things yep. flip the other yep. way. I couldn't mother without the other mothers in my yep. life. Like I could not make all this work if there weren't a universe of other mothers and parents. The dads in my neighborhood are super active, but like if there were not those other people around to be like, can you watch my kid for two minutes while I go do this thing inside? Like I just, I wouldn't be able to make it all work and growing that community of people around you such a big piece and then showing up for those people right like that's the other piece of it is that if you want that to be the way that people show up for you that you find the time and the space and the moments and it might not be apples to apples it may not be a direct transaction but that you know the ways in which you are capable of showing up for that them. is such a, a game changer and I, I say that from like firsthand experience like it's been about I think 10 months since I like unlocked this like new level with all these moms in my neighborhood. And like yesterday is a perfect example. Yesterday was a day where Juan was out of town on a work trip. I had a mountain of really important work things that I need to address. Plus, we were about to close on this apartment that we were buying. So the stupid things, but the wire transfer, whatever, all these other things happened, all these like home things. And I found myself in my car as I was taking Victoria to swim class in the middle of the day in between a break of meetings. And I'm like, how do I be like a professional, a housewife, a logistics person for my household slash like whatever. I called my mom and was like, mom, I need a nanny like for myself. Like this is wild. But I was having this like crazy stressful day. And as soon as swim class was over, it was like lunchtime. I usually cook because I work from home. So, and I have the time, whatever. Somehow I always cook lunch and I wasn't able to cook lunch. And my neighbor mom was like, Hey, like she saw me, like she didn't even, I didn't have to say anything. She goes, I have lunch, I made lunch, send Victoria, send your nanny over, I'll feed them, and then they will come back to you with lunch for you. And I was like, okay, yes, like accepting, right? But like, it's such a relief. Like you said, I cannot mother without these other mothers, separate from my mother, which is a whole other thing. I always talk about how people actually love to help. I think people will be surprised and pleasantly surprised 
as when you reach out for help and especially we, we tend to do when we really have no other option which we shouldn't right we shouldn't yeah. wait until we're so desperately needy that we need to like kind of seek for this help but you'll be surprised how much people enjoy and take pride in helping other people mm-hmm. and uh, I have a mom chat on my neighborhood too and there's two things from a professional perspective it's been amazing to see how other moms who are not in your industry who are different fields really help each other out like hey that we have an attorney in the chat you know why don't you contact this mom who's looking to do a closing in her house so they really have been very supportive in putting our names and to create opportunities for these other moms because they know what each of us do and we're so different in a way that it has been very beneficial to kind of support each other and then number two I always find it so curious how moms have no shame and I'm one of them when I'm like hey I need a stick of glue I need to glue something for something like can someone is going to be in the you know in the mailbox in 10 minutes don't worry about it and last night someone put anyone have a, a white t-shirt my son has tie-dye day tomorrow of course I have no time to leave the house and get one another mom was like I had a tie-dye party and right away the mom was like I'll drop it off in a few minutes so I always feel like sometimes moms just don't ask for the help for whatever reason like you don't want to bother people or you feel embarrassed that you need it well the other day another last story was I realized I was running late I was actually doing my highlights okay and I miscalculated the time I had to pick up four at noon but I also had to be at work at noon somehow and sometime <laughs> in between that window I wanted to pick him up drop him off in swim class and then rush to work there's times when you realize I can't do this there's no way I have to call a mom from the school and be like, hey, Tatiana, I'm so sorry to bother you. I am not going to be able to pick up my son. Like, there's no way. This Physically, I can't teleport myself into the school because I have to be at work in like two minutes. Can you please pick him up? She's like, absolutely. So, you know, pick up her son, drop them off, use the car seat, then pick up my son, drop him up at my house. But again, it was like, one of those moments where I had no other option. Like mm-hmm. he was going to be stranded in school with, with no other option. So Moms are ninjas. Her. I love us. So just to close it off, Alicia, if you could just give like one quick little advice about, I know that it's hard to break free from having the pressure of wanting to be liked, but what's a good step to take towards maybe just acceptance. accepting it? Like, mm-hmm. you know, and kind of just letting go of that pressure little by little journalist with the hard question. It would have a million dollar answer to your point, right? It's not that easy, especially because we've all been trained and because there's value in being likable. Like part of the reason Tatiana picked up your kid was because she likes you and she wants to have a relationship with you. So that piece is there too. I think the biggest thing that as a person who likes to have something to fixate on is that if I'm not going to fixate on being likable? What is it I am instead going to focus my energy and attention on? And I think real clarity and over communicating about this is important to me. Let me explain why it is important to me. Let me explain why I see our path from here to there, whether it is something professional or school drop-off. Um, is really well articulated so that I am constantly giving people the space to buy into whatever that is. Sometimes our vision of ourselves as mothers, our vision for our children is so clear to us mm-hmm. and we are very clear about why something is important to us, why it is important that my kid speak Spanish, why it is important that my kid have a vegetable at every meal, whatever it is. But I often miss the step of expressing that 
to other people, whether it is my mother, my husband, and then I see them proceeding in a way that is different than the way I would do it. But I've never explained what is important to me and why it is important. Mm. And so instead of focusing on like, will I be liked? I think focusing instead of have I been clear and will I be understood and have I given this other person space to buy in to what it is that I think is so important so that we can both hold it as a thing that is important not just to me but to us. That has helped me tremendously as a mother and and really in in most of the relationships. In my I always life. find it so ironic that the people that are most liked are people that just don't care to be liked, right? So you're like, oh, she's so honest and so transparent and just so real. I hate using that word, but like, and that's how. So I feel like it all goes back to just being true to yourself and being just like graceful and honest, you know, about who you are yeah. all the time. Alicia, this is one of my favorite conversations from all of our episodes. Thank you so much. You were awesome. Thank you. That was Alicia Menendez. You can follow her on Instagram at Alicia Menendez XO, right? Why the XO? Because <laughs> there is a teen in Spain who got oh. at Alicia Menendez and I follow her. She's active. Just waiting for her to she, drop off the ground. <laughs> As I look her up right now. And she's, of course, the author of The Likeability Trap. So check it out. Thank you so much, Alicia. Thank you. Love you, girls. Bye. Thank you. Thank you.